This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, business storytellers, it's Christoph Trapp. Thanks for joining me in another live stream today. Hopefully everybody made it through the holiday season, almost to the new year here. If you're listening on the podcast channels, make sure you connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter where uh, you can also get these live streams quite a bit earlier. Today, I want to talk about SEO. What's new in SEO? Um, what do we have to think about? There's always something to think about. And quite frankly, for me, it is so hard to keep track of all these different things going on. So who do I follow? Who keeps me in the loop? Daily updates. I don't know how many he can tell us in a minute. Um, Barry Schwartz will bring him on the show here to have a fun chat. Barry, how's it going today? I'm doing well. Am I muted or am I working here? You're working. Awesome. Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I really appreciate you making the time. And I mean, every day, your your updates on SEO, I mean, I read them religiously. And the other day, uh, you posted something about Google being down. And I literally, uh, I restarted my internet. I restarted, I told my wife, "What's is your phone working? Her phone was working. And then, of course, I saw your post to, to keep us in the loop. Tell us about your your journey into SEO and, and keeping people in the loop. How give us a little bit of your your life story, I guess, so to speak. Sure, my SEO life story. So I guess it started back in the, like, I don't know, 2000, 2001. Um, I was basically a client came to me asking me, you know, how to get my site in Alta Vista or, or whatever, whatever the search engines were back then. Um, and then I like did a bunch of searches and I found some online forums and discussion forums of what were people called SEOs or search marketers or not sure what they call themselves back then. Um, and it was fascinating. There was basically all these, you know, groups of people on the internet basically tracking to see what is changing in the search results. Um, obviously that became mostly Google these days because it powers pretty much 90% of most people's traffic these days, especially in organic search. Um, and I figured, hey, maybe it would be cool to, I think in 2003, I'm like, would it be cool if I could kind of like summarize and categorize and catalog what the search community was talking about so that people who don't have time to weed through all the discussion forums and these online forums, or these days on social media, like Twitter and Facebook and so forth, people have more time to go through all the detailed and very, you know, people can't find these places. Um, I could basically go and uh, highlight some of the more, more interesting discussions that are going on in the SEO and SEM community. So that's kind of my journey into why I started writing about and catalog, you know, categorizing, cataloging, you know, different changes in search. And certainly many people find it helpful. I know I do. And, and I can't keep up. And sometimes, I mean, some of the things you share, like I don't need to necessarily know that Google is testing one thing or another. I, I need to know when it rolls out. But the, the other thing that caught my eye the other day, you were talking about the passages, right? The passage uh, ranking, I guess. Can you talk about that a little bit and how that affects people? Well, it doesn't affect anybody right now. Um, that's the good news. It's not live yet. Uh, Google, I think, um, 
at their search on event, um, I think back a couple months ago. Um, this will probably be live you know, or podcast version in maybe a couple more months. So maybe like a few months ago, announced that um, they're releasing some uh, advancements to search. And one of those advancements was called passage indexing. And I'm like, whoa, they announced something called passage indexing. Google's going to be indexing passages. And then I'm like, does Google really index passages? So I spoke to my reps at Google and they're like, no, we just call it that. It's really ranking. So Google's not changing how they index a page. And that's a really technical thing. It's basically Google's not changing how they crawl and understand your um, the content on the page by how they index it. They're not like taking pieces of your pages and like putting it into certain databases. What they're doing is basically um, able to rank different passages of a page better. So if you have a really long piece of content, uh, let's say it's, I don't know, it's, I don't know 10,000 words or something like that, and you really have um, it written on different paragraphs and so forth, Google's basically going to say, all right, this paragraph in this really long article is about this specific topic. Uh, we could go ahead and pull that topic out, that passage out of that page, and say this passage should rank well um, within the whole content of that, or the context of that whole entire page. Um, and it's really designed not really for unoptimized sites, people that are really built, you know, really well SEO optimized web pages. Google said doesn't don't have to worry about this because you're already doing the things you need to do to get those pieces of content that are on the page ranking. It's more about Google's um, surfacing content or passages within content that are not optimized, that are not built for search engines, that are that no SEO has ever looked at. Uh, so that content could go ahead and get surfaced in the Google search results. And that hasn't gone live yet. Google said it should have been live by the end of this year, 2020, but it did not go live. I just asked Google last week about it and they said it's still not live. So I expect it to go live sometime in early 2021. And of course, when it does go live, I will make sure to document that as well. And what's interesting about that topic for me is, I mean, I could never keep up on uh, you know whether it's live whether it's whether they're ranking or indexing or whatever but i mean i've I've written about the accidental seo strategy before even in my book content performance culture and really what i'm saying is if you just create content and you never pay any attention to anything at some point you're going to rank for something (laughs) right i mean yeah go ahead yeah i mean google's goal is not for you to it's, it's basically not for you to go ahead and try to like tell what tell you what to rank for. It's basically you should write and Google should figure out what content on the web should be ranking well. Google's, you know, and there's SEOs that are out there that, you know, trying to fix problems. So like Google can't find your content because you're doing it in some type of weird format. Um, or and back in the old days, you know, papers used to write very clever, witty titles or headlines for the stories that made no, if people search for it, it wouldn't really help you because nobody's searching for that. So people have to kind of think, like, how would somebody search to find this piece of content? And that's not necessarily going to change, but Google's getting really, really good at understanding what somebody's searching for and try to connect that to a page that's relevant on a topic. It used to be a lot more linear. Now Google's way more better at natural language processing, as well as what this person's searching for might not mean what they really, the exact words of those phrases, but it might mean something else. So it's interesting to see how Google's really, um, really expanded with RankBrain and now Bird and other uh, technologies to get uh, the query to match content in a much better fashion. Yeah. So is this similar to, I've seen this before, when I search for something and Google sends me to a specific snippet in a video, I mean, very similar, right? I mean, same thing. Um, it's, it, I guess, conceptually, you know, if you think about it, yeah, it's similar, but the technology is completely different. Um, okay. What you're seeing is, um, I think they call those, uh, um, they're kind of video segments, um, and basically, what Google's able to do, based on the transcript of the video, which they do for all YouTube videos, they transcribe them automatically, 
um, they're able to skip the whole introduction where, and then jump to the point in the video that people want to hear. So if you have a video on how to tie your shoes, you know, YouTubers are like, all right, I'm going to tell you about this, but first here's our sponsor and mm -hmm. wait, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. And like 30 minutes later, 10 minutes later, they're still trying to get to the answer because they want you to watch as long as possible till you get to it. And Google's like, you know what, we're just going to skip the person to the actual answer uh, in the video. And that's one of the biggest complaints. And Google kind of tackled that uh, with these like kind of like jump to uh, features in the actual uh, YouTube videos. Um, it's totally different technology because Google's able to easily quickly say based on the transcript of the, of the content where that that section starts. Um, but I guess for a normal searcher, if you think about it as a layperson, yeah, it's similar to how those things, but the technology is completely different. Very, very interesting. Um, and certainly it helps me and, and, and to, to see the content, but it drives me crazy, Barry. I, I just tweeted about it this morning, actually, when uh, podcasts, they have a three-minute intro before they even introduce the guest. I mean, just get to the point, right? Just t start talking. Um, super annoying. I know why they do it, but I try not to do it for the most part. Um, how about going into 2021? What What do we need to keep in mind? What's What's on the horizon when it comes to SEO, uh, especially for, for content creators and, and content strategists? Right. I mean, so it really depends on where you are. I'm not going to, you know, obviously there's basics of SEOs. And if you're not doing basic SEO, you need to focus on that. But what's new, if you're doing everything perfect and your SEO is great, what's coming up in 2021 with SEO? Um, that's a good question. So there's a bunch of things. So first we discussed passage indexing. There's really nothing to do with that, but it's coming out. So be aware. Uh, it might shuffle up the rankings a bit. Google said about 7% of the queries might change, which is, a, which is a significant percentage of the queries. So that's coming out soon, probably sooner than later in 2021. Um, in March, 2021, we have the mobile first indexing going 100% live. Truth is, if you have a modern website, a WordPress or any type of CMS that you've built in the past you know, five years or so, it probably is already on mobile first indexing for old, old sites. Um, I don't know, like the old Craigslist and stuff like that. That wasn't maybe mobile friendly. Old, old websites that haven't been updated in 10 plus years. Um, Google may still have you on the desktop version of indexing. That's going to switch over fully to mobile first indexing. And all that means is that um, Google's going to basically crawl your website and see it as you would on a mobile device. Um, so if you have a mobile site, and a desktop site, and the mobile site shows different content than the desktop site, or has different navigation, or different structure data, or different tags and keywords and stuff like that, then Google might not rank um, your mobile mobile website as well as it used to rank your desktop website, or it might rank it better. So um, if you haven't been switched over to mobile first indexing, and if you want to know if you were, if you register a Google Search Console, just search for Google Search Console, it's free. You can verify your website, and it will tell you in there when you were switched over to mobile first indexing or not. Um, and if you weren't, then you will want to make sure that your website is uh, very mobile friendly and that the mobile and desktop versions are equal in terms of the content, navigation, links, structured data, and so forth. So that's coming in March 2021. And I say most sites are ready. I don't have to worry about that. Um, and then the big thing coming in May 2021 is what's called the page experience update. Uh, that's where Google... Um, kind of lumped in a bunch of different uh, ranking signals, uh, metrics, uh, which will be used to for ranking purposes going forward. So some of these ranking signals are already being used. So there's things in this page experience update that are lumped in from previous updates, like uh, mobile friendliness, um, HTTPS, is this secure? Um, are there intrusive ads and so forth? Is this secure? Those are things that are already ranking factors, but now they're lumping those back into this, what they're calling the page experience update. But the new stuff that they are releasing um, is called Core Web Vitals. And those are the three new elements um, in this page experience update that 
um, are around the responsiveness of the website. Site does the will the page load fast? Um, it does the page jump around a lot? There's three main scores in there. Uh, I'm not going to go into too much technical details unless you want me to. Uh, but if you look Google Core Web Vitals, you'll be able to measure your page pages in uh, Core Web Vitals and see how how well it does. Now. Keep in mind, if you register with Google Search Console, Google will give you a report about your Core Web Vitals. If you're green, that's good. If it's yellow, you could do better. If it's red, you could do you could do a lot better. And it tells you specifically what you have to go ahead and fix there, um, so you can prepare for the May 2021 Page Experience Update. Um, the I don't think personally it's going to be a big ranking factor. I don't think you're going to see many sites fluctuate too much unless they're doing really poorly. Um, but there may be a what's called a visual indicator, maybe a badge. That shows up in the Google search results to say if you do well with the page experience update or not. Uh, we've seen this previously with Google launched mobile first indexing. They said this is mobile friendly. We see it with AMP pages. They have a little AMP icon or like a little lightning flash logo. Um, so Google might show a little indicator and they've been testing an indicator recently. Um, and that might increase or decrease your click-through rate depending on if you have the indicator or not. Um, so that's something to, to really consider. And again, you can really uh, register in Google Search Console and see what you have to improve on. It's just a win-win situation. Even if it's not a ranking factor, improving your core vitals will help you with uh, usability, will help you with conversions, and make your users much happier in general. So when you talk about mobile mobile first, I mean, are there really still, well, I guess they are. I, I just saw some the other day, I guess. But why are there still websites that aren't working on mobile? Like, is it just because they created them so long ago? Or what's the the core problem, do you know? Yeah, I mean, most of these, a lot of these sites that are not switched on, not mobile friendly, are probably just old websites that haven't been updated. Nobody's maintaining it, um, and it's fine. You don't, I mean, it, some websites, you know, you can decide. I don't want to invest in it. It's, it's fine. You got to pinch and zoom to see it on your smartphone. But again, most of the people on, on, are surfing the web now on their mobile phones. You should probably try to make them mobile friendly. If you haven't, then you're way behind the times, and it's very, very easy now to. You know, start up a WordPress site or something else that are out of the box, just mobile friendly. Um, and if you haven't done that yet, it's probably it's time for a redesign of your website. Yeah, no argument here. I do have sometimes people argue with me, though, Barry, especially in B2B. They say, oh, we're, we're B2B and uh, maybe even B2B publishing, you know, and oh, people look at our website only on desktop computers. I mean, is there still such a scenario out there where that's true 100 percent of the time or? I've never seen it 100% of the time. Um, yeah, there's definitely like B2B is more like you're sitting behind your desktop computer and you're, you're using the web. But truth is, if you get an email, somebody like, you know recommends your company and you're a B2B and they send an email and you happen to be like, I don't know, on the street and you click on that website to see what it looks like and you can't see it, you have to like pinch and zoom. That's a really bad experience for the first, uh, you know, first time visit uh, from a potential ma massive lead that you might get to your business. So um, it's, it just doesn't make sense. If they're on the desktop version, yeah, they'll get to your desktop version. If they're looking for your mobile version, you want them to get a mobile version of your website. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand it either. It makes no sense to me. When you talked about equal content on mobile and desktop, I mean, so the, the days of the, the mobile version has a lighter version of your website. Are, are they gone? Is that what you were referring to? Or, or what does that talk about? Right. Back in the old days, when you created like a mobile version of your website, it might have been like you created an dot your domain, so m.authenticstorytelling.net, and that would be a separate website, just a mobile version of it, and you might have maybe a small subset of your content on there. Uh, and then people stopped doing m.dots, they started to really do responsive and stuff like that, where they were basically just, the layout itself would shift and become, become smaller and so forth. And those sites are out of the box, um, should have the same exact 
HTML um, and same exact content and navigation and so forth. So responsive sites are out of the box really um, built in a way that is mobile friendly. And then you have these other sites that are um, built in a way that have completely separate HTML, same content, uh, but the structured data, like the schema and structured data, the metadata behind the actual pages might be missing. The navigation might not be the same. So Google might not be able to crawl the website like it used to. Um, and there's a lot of like aspects of this, like maybe the certain content is high, hidden um, in different areas. So you want to make sure that the content is really you know equal on both pages. It could be in tabs where it expands. That's fine. Google will access that. Uh, because it's more uh, user-friendly and mobile devices to have content expand versus on desktop, you don't really have content expand. It doesn't, you can see everything in front of you. Uh, but you don't want to like hide content from search engines on mobile that you would show on desktop because then Google won't see it when it's on mobile for, for indexing and you might not rank for that content that's being hidden or that navigation or structured data and so forth. It'd be crazy when I'm, I'm on a mobile site and, and I can't find something because it's hidden or whatever. Um, so at the end of the day, it is about a good content experience. And you talked about basic SEO, and I know we kind of breezed through that quickly, but when you say basic SEO, what, what, are, we, what, are, what are people, what's like the bare minimum people should, should be hitting? The bare minimum is to make sure that Google could actually go to your website. Um, can Googlebot access your website? You can't tell, I can't tell you how many times I've seen sites that in their robots.txt file just say disallow googlebot or disallow search engines completely from going to my website that's number one or you might be uh, blocking uh, googlebot because you might think it's some type of rogue spider that's causing your traffic and your your crawl and your web server to crash that's something that's another issue you want to make sure google could actually just crawl your website without being necessarily blocked but um, from robots but also being being not blocked by your server itself um, and that's like the bare minimum, making sure that Google could actually just crawl and access your content on your website. And after that, it's just basically making, making sure that your homepage on your website doesn't have a title tag that says homepage. You want to make sure your homepage on your website says your company name, followed by your main keyword for a thing. So if you are um, in the business of selling um, blue widgets, you could be, you know, your company name dash blue widgets for sale. You want to make sure that your main keywords are in your homepage that are relevant. And then all your other pages on your website. So if you have green blue widgets or you have tall blue widgets and um, whatever they might be, all those variations, each page should have its own title tag, its own content, its own photos, its own description, its own structured data. So that search engines could actually just make sure to understand what that page is about. So make sure Google could crawl it, make sure Google could index that page, and then make sure Google could understand why that page is different from all the other pages on the internet. I mean, it sounds like the bare minimum, really, we have to focus on some, I mean, basic things. I mean, really just, you know, make sure some of those things are working. The one thing, you know, I was wearing my It Depends t-shirt today. The answer to most everything in marketing is It Depends. But you might be one of the first guests, Barry, on the show after 20 minutes on the show. You have not said It Depends. It's funny because one <laughs> of the most popular Google representatives, John Mueller, um, his thing is it depends because he's asked a lot of questions about very technical, very minutiae related SEO questions. And sometimes those answers depend. I mean, why a web page might rank in this country versus that country in, on this device versus that device um, at this time during the day, at that time of the day versus, you know, why um, these pages are ranking and those pages don't rank. Does Is this going to help me rank better or is that going to help me rank better? Google's very, very complex. It's not 
what it used to be where you just need a bunch of links and content. Now there's so many different ranking factors, hundreds and hundreds of different ranking factors. And in those ranking factors, the, some of those use heavy machine learning. Uh, and the machine learning constantly tweaks itself by all the time. So will you rank better if you do X, Y, and Z? The answer often is it depends, but there are certain basics that you could do um, to make sure that Google could crawl, index, and rank your webpage. Will it rank number one for everything? It depends on the type of keywords you're trying to rank for. Um, if you're trying to rank well for, um, I guess, COVID vaccine these days, which is probably pretty popular, it's going to be hard to, especially with all the regulations going on around this and what Google's doing to prevent ads and so forth. But I mean, it really depends on the keywords you're trying to rank for um, and what you're doing to rank for. And it's often, the, if the more minutia you get in there, the answer is often it depends on a lot of variables. And of course, I say that kind of as a joke a little bit, but a lot of times people come on here and it depends, right? It, but you have very clear answers to a lot of these questions. So I really, really appreciate that. And I'm sure people people tuning in do as well. Um, for, you know, let's say a, a starting content creator. So we have people listening, you know, they're just getting into creating content. Maybe they're a writer. Maybe they're making the move from journalists, from being a journalist. And of course, journalists, I'll say it again, should be thinking about SEO as well. I mean, not just, you know, I mean, why why wouldn't you? Um, what are some of the things that they should think about as they're writing content? What are, What's the bare minimum for a starting content creator, so to speak? Right. I mean, the bare minimum is really to answer the question of the reader and to satisfy that reader's intent for going to that page. So if you're writing about a specific topic, don't conclude all the fluff. Don't make them read on and on and on forever. Give them the answer right away. After that, if they want to know why that answer is authentic, why that answer is true, um, give them the history behind why that answer is there. So don't stray and make them wait and wait and wait to get the answer. Give them the answer right away. Give them a reason to continue to want to read, uh, to continue to want, even with videos, give them a reason to continue to want to watch. Um, and then um, hopefully they'll go through the whole story, share with their friends and so forth. But if you're not answering the reader's questions uh, and not solving the reader's, uh, you know, finding the reader's intent in that content, that content probably won't rank well in the long term. Well, you didn't mention the term uh, keyword research, though. I mean, is that still important? Should people do that before they jump in or should they just create uh, content that answers a question. And, and before you answer that, I actually have had success literally just writing about something that nobody was searching for yet, but then they start searching for it, you know, because it was happening right now. Um, but is that still important? What what should people consider when it comes to keyword research? I mean, I guess it's important. Um, I mean, I just don't like when the journalist goes about it with the first looking at keyword research. I mean, the journalist should always go about what are they writing about? Why are they writing about it? Not necessarily... You know, I'm writing about it because it's trending on Google Trends right now, or I'm writing about it because I know this keyword um, is a big moneymaker keyword, but this variation of the keyword is is nobody's really targeting. So I'm going to go ahead and target that keyword. I think a writer, an authentic writer, really writes based off of what they think their users want to hear about. Um, and they know their users. I mean, you, hopefully you know your users if you're really authentic. And you're going to write without doing keyword research initially. Um, if you are someone who needs to like write constantly and you want to use keyword research tools to try to find topics to write about, that's fine. But ultimately, if you're being if you're trying to find keywords to write about um, and using keyword research tools, it might not come off as authentic as it should be uh, because you're really not thinking about your user 
directly, you're probably thinking about what would my, maybe my user, if I try searching for, because I'm using the keywords tools, probably not as natural. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's my, my theory. No, I don't think you're wrong at all. I, I, I like uh, coming up with a story and also sometimes do keyword research at a time, but usually my keyword research comes on the tail end, right? What are the terms people use? And I'll give you an example. I was writing about um, something about video, uh, a podcast to video, and Max Branstetter said to me, um, that's called audiograms. I'd never even heard that term. And audiograms, a lot more people search for them, whatever the term was that I came up with in my mind. So certainly it helped from, from that perspective. The one thing, Barry, you didn't mention, uh, and we Andy Crestadina uh, has his blogging um, survey, of course, and he said in there that um, blog posts are getting longer and longer and longer. Um, and one thing you didn't say in your, uh, your answer to the earlier question was um, that you got to write longer. You just said, tell people the answer and, you know, whatever they need to know and move on. How important is content? I almost said content depth, but I, I'm guessing you're going to disagree with that statement uh, content, content length, length. <laughs> yeah um it's been a topic of the seo community for a long time now um in the old days length did not matter as much as it does today definitely now it seems like content that it's longer more detailed a lot you know a lot more detail a lot more words tends to rank better these days if you ask google google says it's not about the length of the key of the of the article it's not about how many words it is it's if you're answer, ask, answering the question of the searcher, if you're the, the intent of the searcher is met by the content. And often that could be a single tweet. Um, and often that could be maybe a paragraph or a short little uh, Instagram video or something like that. Sometimes that's what solves the, the, question, the question of the searcher. Now, I'm a very short content writer. I always have been. I try to get to them very quickly. Um, and I could definitely see these days, Google's tends to rank um, articles from people that will quote me and quote a bunch of other people and make one bigger article out of it. Now, I think that's maybe passive injecting is going to come and solve some of that. Maybe, I don't know. Um, I do think things will change because, you know, I think Google wants more detailed, more depth, more authority, what looks authoritative in terms of content. At the same time, they also know that searchers just want the answer very quickly, which is why I think you've seen that with feature snippets when they include a feature snippet. It's a very short block at the top of content. Often they'll anchor you down and highlight that content and so forth. So Google kind of wants it both ways. They want the longer piece of content, but they want to give the searcher the shorter piece of content because they just want to solve the answer, um, which I think eventually will go back to, do you really need to write you know, 20,000 words to answer how to somebody should tie their shoes? Or will it be suffice, uh, sufficient just to put a full few bullet points that get the answer done, that gets the person done really quickly with the answer? Um, and I think things will change with that. Uh, but for now, it, you are right. Uh, longer content tends to rank better in Google, but I don't think that's going to be the long-term approach for sure, for sure. And of course, quite honestly, I know you just picked it as an example out of the blue sky, but um, how to tie your shoes shouldn't be an article to begin with. Make a video, right? <laughs> and show people how to do, how to tie your shoes. Um, very interesting discussion. I personally have started writing longer as well. Um, I don't know if that's because of Google, but I do end up writing, I, I want to say deeper content, but just because you're writing longer doesn't mean your content is any deeper. It just means maybe you were just fluffing it up for 1500 words. So that's not Google will, will recognize that as well. I assume. Um, I think so. I think they will. I think they will find you know people just trying to fluff up their articles. Um, and I think eventually that might backfire, but I mean, there's, 
you got it. Do you want to go ahead and implement that now and have success now? Sure. Um, just like those YouTubers who kind of like lead you on forever and ever and ever and try to get you to subscribe and like and comment below and then I'll give you the answer. It's the same type of thing. And I think uh, Google's been very good at adapting and changing over the years. And I think you'll see that from Google over also. Of course, I'm thinking of the Heisman Trophy show this weekend. I mean, for 28 minutes, it was fluff. And in the last two minutes, they told us who the finalists are. They didn't even tell us who won. That's in two weeks. So um, probably people still watch. Barry, it was great to have you on the show. Another big name um, in the industry. Really appreciate you making the time. I know you're busy. You have a lot of things on your plate. Uh, thanks for sharing your insights and for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Happy holidays and happy new year. Hopefully 2021 is going to be amazing for everybody. And you know, uh, 2021, right? Have you heard that joke? 2021, 2021. Yeah. Anyways, thanks for being on the show. Thanks everyone for listening until next time. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.